Father, we thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for this glorious company of people that have gathered together. We thank you, Father, for uh, utterance. And we thank you for the leadership of the Spirit of God and the Spirit of grace. Give you glory for it, Father, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Um, Just look as a text, I guess, over in Jeremiah chapter 29. Jeremiah, the 29th chapter. And uh, look with me at at, at verse 11. And uh, we talked about seasons. And if you've been going through an undesirable season, you just need to remind yourself this is just a season. And as we said last week, don't allow your current challenges to become permanent fixtures in your life. Realize that the season that you may be in is subject to change. He said, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, uh, to give you an expected end. That means that God's got you on his mind and that he has absolutely awesome things in store for you and for me. Amen. So uh, how many of you are in a season that you'd like to have changed? Okay, well, that's several of you. How many of you are in some good seasons? You know, we can be in different seasons at the same time. Well, okay, let's look at Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17 and 18. And let's remind ourselves that, amen, the seasons, the difficult ones are subject to change. Amen? Second Corinthians chapter 4. And uh, notice with me in verse, I think it's verse 17 and 18. I'm not quite sure, but I know it's in that neighborhood. All right. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. All right. Notice with me in verse, well, let's just look at verse 18. It talks about the light affliction. The things that we're going through now, it, it works, it, which only for a moment, but it works in us a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory. And then he says, while we look not at the things which are seen. Let's put this in the context of seasons tonight then. The things that are seen are your current season that you're in. So we don't look at those things but at the things which are not seen. The things which are not seen is your deliverance and your next season or your new season, if you will. Amen? For the things which are seen, this season that you're in right now is temporary, which means it's subject to change. Hallelujah. But the things which are not seen are eternal. In other words, Hallelujah, it can not be changed. And so I want to encourage you tonight to have faith for your next season or your new season. For faith reaches into that next season. What's the opposite of faith? Opposite of faith is fear. So if faith reaches into the next season, fear would try to hold us back. Okay. Now here's a, an important ingredient, uh, as you are going through the seasons of life. And it's something that the apostle Paul learned and it was, it's called contentment. So I want you to look at your Bibles in Philippians chapter four and in verse 11, uh, the apostle Paul is speaking here 
And he said over there, he said, not that I uh, speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatever state, or we could say it this way, I have learned in whatever season I am in, therewith to be what? Therewith to be content. Contentment will cause you to maintain your peace wherever you may be in life. Okay? Maintain your peace. He said in verse 12, he said, I know how to be abased. Being abased is not a good thing. And he says, I know how to abound. So he's experienced a season of abasement. He's also experienced a season of abundance. But notice with me, with me in verse 12, he says, Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound, abound and suffer need. He said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, I've been abased and I've been abounded. How about you? Now, we all would rather be abounded, right? Yeah. And by faith, we are all in that area of abundance. But sometimes there are seasons where, uh, you know, we have to tighten the belt a little bit. We're abased a little bit. But here's the clue. Here's the secret. You can be content in whatever season you're in. But you can only be content through Christ. And Paul... Um, says that because in verse 13 in the Amplified, he says, I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. I'm ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses his inner strength into me. He said, I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. Amen? Amen? So we see here that contentment is a key in whatever season we might be in. And it will help you to maintain your peace. Satan is after your peace. He's after your joy. He wants you to be all full of anxiety. All full of, uh, of uh, fear. Now Jesus addressed that in John chapter 14. He said this in verse 27. And I'll just read it to you from the Amplified Version. He says, peace I leave with you. My own peace. Okay. I like the Jesus kind of peace. How about you? He says, my own peace I now give and bequeath to you, but it's not as the world gives, give I to you. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Stop allowing yourself to be agitated and disturbed. Oh, I wish I was out of this situation. Oh, I wish the manifestation would come so I could move out of this apartment or move out of this home. Oh, I'm just so tired of this car. I just can't wait until... That's not peace. That's being agitated. That's allowing yourself to be disturbed. Oh, I just... I hate this job. I just can't stand this job. I don't like the people. There's something about this place that I absolutely dislike. That's not peace. You lose your joy, you talk like that. Not only will you be anxious and full of doubt and full of fear and full of worry, you could possibly get stuck in that season for an undetermined amount of time until you pass the test of letting the peace of God rule in your heart. Amen? So, uh, peace. Stop allowing yourself to be disturbed or agitated. Amen. Uh, agitation 
And being disturbed usually comes out of our mouths. How we carry ourselves, how we conduct ourselves. Now, something else that the enemy is after, he's after our joy. Okay? Look at James chapter 1. And uh, in verse 2. James, the, the first chapter, verse 2. He says, Consider it wholly joyful, my brethren, whenever you are enveloped in or encounter seasons or trials that don't suit you. <laughs> I know that's the Thomas translation. But we're talking about seasons. We're talking about temptations here, tests and trials. So he says, don't allow yourself not only to be disturbed and agitated, but don't let go of your joy. Now, why is that? Why? Well, the joy of the Lord happens to be our strength. Okay? What would the opposite be of joy? Who can think of a word? Sorrow. Sorrow. Okay? So, if the joy of the Lord is our strength, what does sorrow do to us? It depletes us of our strength. We could say it this way. Joy strengthens us, but sorrow weakens us. Well, I've been both. And I'd a whole lot rather stay full of joy than be weakened by sorrow. And when you really think about it, we don't really have any right to be full of sorrow. When you really, really understand the substitutionary sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the Bible says, surely he bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. In other words, he bore the pain for us already. So therefore, we can count it just like an accountant would do. All joy when we fall into different temptations, testings, and trials. Because we know this, that the trying of our faith will employ patience. And when patience shows up on the job, you are going to be perfect and entire, lacking nothing. Okay? So say this with me. Contentment, peace, and joy in any seasons of my life. So for every, every problem that I face, every challenge that you face, there's a promise. Bible says that there's an exceeding great and precious promises. Okay? The devil wants to give us exceeding great and non-precious problems. Right? How many of you know you can't carry the problem and the promise at the same time? Okay, what, what, is, what does the Bible call that? Right. Somebody said wavering. The man or the woman that wavers, the double-minded man is unstable in some of his ways. No, unstable in all his ways. And he that wavereth is like a wave of the, uh, 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 of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. He says, let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. So just get full of the promises. Amen? Yes. Now the problems don't leave automatically. They don't leave right away. But if you'll stay full of the promises, your faith will be there. Your expectation will be there. And no matter what's going around you, you are maintaining the joy of the Lord. Now, here's, here's something I've learned as well, and I'm sure that you have too, is that we have a lot to do with the duration or how long a season will last. Okay? When the devil comes along and tells me, Mark Thomas, this is your life. I say, Not. This is your life. This is your lot in life. Don't let anything define you other than what God has defined you. 
Don't call yourself what the world would call you. Call yourself what God would call you. Amen? The world will call you a victim, but God calls you a victor. Hallelujah. The world may say sick, but God says healed. The world may say poor, but God says rich. Amen? So when the devil says, this is your life, say no. This is just a season. You've got to put your foot down. Put your foot down. And if, if you'll practice this in your life, you'll get strong. You, you will get strong. And when you get strong, hallelujah, things just have a tendency to kind of just... The darts have a tendency... They don't stop coming. The darts, the fiery darts of the wicked one never stop coming. Never. Never. But when you're strong... You'd be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. Amen. Amen. Rather than have the darts penetrate our soul and bring our lives down. We know the temptation. We know that the test is coming. But oh, thank God when you're strong in the Lord and the power of His might. It cannot penetrate your life. Amen. Glory to God. Let this, let this become a part of your heart. Let the word drop down into your spirit. Because if you will feed your spirit faith on a regular basis, amen, that faith will be on demand when it is needed. Amen. Last night, you know, I was sleeping and and the enemy tried to attack me with with some nightmares and different things like that. And, uh, you know, uh, I wasn't awake, but... Over and over again in my spirit. It's like my spirit stood up. I mean, it was a real, real demonic attack. And my spirit man just stood up. And over and over and over again, my spirit kept saying the name, 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 the name. Stopped it. See, the enemy will try to take advantage of you when you are asleep. Okay? But what you have on the inside, whether you're awake or asleep, will rise up. Let God arise. Come on now. And his enemies be scattered. All right. Now look at Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 6. Now, we live in a, in a, in a, in a world that, you know, uses this phrase... Well, you know, you just need to learn to cope with, with this situation. Uh, you've got to learn how to cope with your fears. And you've got to... Uh, the world waters down sin. Did you know that? Instead of calling sin, sin, they call it your problem. Can we talk about your problem? And how can you cope with that alcohol? Maybe you could... Instead of drinking a six-pack, have three. You know, whatever. God did not call us to cope with sin in our lives. I love this. In Deuteronomy 1 and verse 6. um, I think it's Deuteronomy 1. Verse 6. The Lord God, our God, spake unto us in Oreb. Everyone say Oreb. I found out that the word orb means a, a, a very parched or a burnt region. 
a tough place to be in. Okay? And so, here's what the Lord said to him. The Lord our God speaking to us in this lousy season. And he said, build a tent, stay another 40 years. No. What did he say? Read it. You have dwelt here long enough. This is not your life. It's time to pack up and to move on. Hallelujah. Some people, you know, they, they've been hurt in life and, and for whatever reason, they just they have a real difficulty in letting things go. You know, how many of you know it's it, it's to your benefit to let go of resentment? Because really, the person you're resenting, you're not really doing them any harm, much harm. But what harm you're doing is you're doing it to yourself. Why? Because what does resentment do? It brings bitterness. And what does bitterness do? Hebrews says that bitterness rises up. Okay, and by it many be defiled. It's it's a root. And so uh, I can remember, uh, you know, my spiritual dad giving this illustration about this one lady at a church. And, and, uh, and she says, you know, I'm glad you're the new pastor, but I just, I got to tell you about this, this thing that happened to me. And he asked, how long would it happen? Well, about 25 years ago. <laughs> Don't you think that maybe she'd been on that mountain long enough? Okay. And I'm not saying anybody has any unforgiveness, you know, in their heart or anything like that. But if you do, you need to get rid of it. Because it's hurting you. It's hurting you more than it's hurting the other person. Let it go. There is freedom in putting things in the hands of the Lord. You've been on this mountain long enough. Amen. You know, my testimony, I came out of a strong, addictive background and... Came out of a lot of sin and, you know, we don't need to talk about it. To God be the glory He delivered me. Uh, and, and I do understand and I, and I know that, that, that people who have had similar uh, uh, addictions in their lives, I do know and understand that sometimes they, they go back to it. But I've never really understood how a person could really, really be delivered and love Jesus and go back into a lifestyle of drugs and alcohol and addiction on a regular basis. I believe that whom the Son has set free is free indeed. Amen? And I'm not saying there's anybody addicted, anybody alcoholic tonight, but if you're on that mountain, get off it. Been there long enough. Anyway, so the Lord God spake unto us in Oreb, saying, You have dwelt long enough on this mountain. Don't you think 40 years is long enough? Now look over at Deuteronomy chapter 6. Somebody say glory. glory. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. Deuteronomy 6. So God wants to bring us out of a season so that he can bring us into a new season. Okay? Bring us out so he can bring us into. He is not just the God who delivers out of darkness, but he translates us into the kingdom. Okay? 
Now, we see this in Deuteronomy 6, 21 through 24, and I'll read it to you. It says, Then shalt thou say unto thy son, We were Pharaoh's bondmen in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt. With What kind of a hand did he bring them out with? He brought them out with a mighty hand. I love that. Amen. And verse 22, And the Lord showed signs and wonders, great and sore upon Egypt, upon Pharaoh, and upon all his household before our very eyes. And he brought us out from thence that he might bring us in to give us the land which he sware unto our fathers. Say it with me. He's bringing me out. He has brought me out that he might bring me in. What he's bringing you into is glorious. And it's so much better than where you've been. Hallelujah. Verse 24, And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God, for our God always, that He might preserve us alive as it as this day. Okay. Now last week when we ended, I, I, I made mention to you about never leave a season empty-handed. Never leave a season empty-handed. Always take something with you from that season. Take the lessons that you've learned in those seasons, whether good or bad. See, sometimes I've been through certain things in a season, and the season's over with, and I'm in another season, but I know what not to do. Amen? And then I know what to do. So learn something. I mean, if you were in a coma for that whole season, at least you ought to wake up rested. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, never leave a season empty-handed. All right, let's look at Exodus 3. Exodus chapter 3, and we'll start in verse 19. Exodus, the third chapter, and the 19th verse. He says, and I'm sure... The king of Egypt will not let you go, no, not by a mighty hand. But I'll stretch out my hand, and I'll smite Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in the midst thereof. And after that, (laughs) he'll let you go. He may not want to let you go right now, but when he sees what I got in mind, he will let you go. (laughs) Amen. And then notice with me in verse 21. And I will give... This people, what will he give his people? Favor. Everyone say favor. favor. Let's say it like this. God gives, God gives his, covenant people his covenant people favor. favor. The blessing is on me. Empowering me to prosper. And the favor of God, favor of God provides, ample opportunity provides ample opportunity for this blessing, for this blessing. to come to pass. In my life. I have favor. With God. And with man. Everyone say it real strong. Favor, favor, favor. Favor's mine. Hallelujah. Well, well why, why do you say that all the time? Because I believe it. But I also say it because I need to hear it. And what it does is it builds up faith in my heart. 
but it also builds up expectation in my soul. Amen. If you're here Sunday, I told you about going to the dentist. I had favor with the dentist. Instead of paying $675 for a crown, hallelujah, he gave me favor and I didn't have to pay a penny. I like that. I like that kind of favor. How about you? Amen. Now, when God gives you favor, tell it. You know, I was telling people Sunday morning that, uh, you know, we've been talking about the goodness of God and how that we need to acknowledge the good that God does for us. We need to tell it. Amen. Man, did I get some testimonies out there in the foyer. Wow. God's really doing some awesome things in the lives of the people of this church. And don't, don't think that it's got to be something, you know, grandeur and grandiose and, and big in your mind. Hey, God gives you a toothpick. Tell it. Rejoice. It's the favor of God. Didn't have a toothpick before. Verse 21. I'll give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And it'll come to pass that when you go, you will not... You will not go what? You will not go empty. He brought them forth with silver and with gold. And there was not one feeble among their tribes. He brought them forth. That's a Billy Brim song. He brought them forth. Remember that? He brought them forth with silver and gold. There was not one feeble among their tribes. It wasn't only Papa and Grammy, but it was great Papa and great Grammy. Think about that. Not one feeble among them. He brought them out with a mighty hand. He must have quickened them. He must have raised them up. He said, it's going to confound the Egyptians. It's going to be something in their eyes. Whoo! They see the canes going to the side. Grandma and Grandpa, whoo, he brought them forth. (laughs) Silver and gold. Not one feeble among their tribes. Whoo! That's shouting ground right there. Shekaba Satan. Let's live long. But it's not only live long, let's live strong. It's good to live long, but man, we might as well just live strong while we're living long. There's a lot of people, oh, shake up. A lot of people living long, but they're not strong. But you and I, we can live long and live strong. Man, if he brought them forth with silver and gold, if they didn't leave empty-handed, how about you and I? We got a better covenant established upon better promises. God did not put the gold in this world for the devil and his bunch. God put the gold in this earth for God and His bunch. God didn't put the oil in the earth for OPEC only. Amen. They're drilling in Pawnee County right now. They're paying Randy, Brenda's brother, and Lloyd and Beverly, her sister. They're paying to drill on their land. Strike it up in Jesus' name. Shitalabasana. Let it flow. Let the oil, let there be a gusher. 
that's, that's what Leroy Thompson says. It's going to be a goosher. Hallelujah. You like goosers? I like Holy Ghost goosers. Let it be, Lord. Wouldn't that be awesome? PT out there someday in the yard, us doing a men's deal out in the back and digging around all of a sudden. Crude. You know Beverly Hillbillies here. Wouldn't know what to do with that money now. <laughs> Woo! Glory! Why not? Don't limit the Holy One of Israel. It happened to T.D. Jakes. He bought a beautiful home. Had no idea. He was informed that there was gas under his house. Amen. We're in covenant with a good God, right? And so... Where were we? Verse 21. And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Come to pass that when you go, you not go empty. Verse 35. I mean, I just like this, don't you? I think this is good. Verse 35. And the children of Israel did according to the word of Moses. Notice they were obedient. And they borrowed of the Egyptians. Yeah, right. Like they're going to bring it back. And they borrowed of the Egyptians jewels of silver, jewels of gold, and raiment. Think of it. These folks were slaves for years. In verse 36, And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they lent unto them such things as they required, and they spoiled the Egyptians. Now I want you to look at the message translation. If you could pull it up in verse 34 through verse 36. Uh, I was, I was. <laughs> you mean you don't, you don't know? I think I was in Exodus 12. Yeah, Exodus 12. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got thinking about all that golden oil. I could never figure out, you know, I'm the northerner, went down to Tulsa and and the dean of our school, Dr. Stewart, he was talking about holy oil. Oil? What's oil? Oil? Talking about oil. Oil. Well, I don't care if it's oil or oil, it'll spend. Now, I want to look at the message translation. Let's start in verse 34 if we could. The people grabbed their bread dough before it had risen, bundled their bread bowls and their clothes, and threw them over their shoulders. Next verse. The Israelites had already done what Moses had told them and had asked the Egyptians for silver and gold things and clothing. Verse 36. God saw to it that the Egyptians liked the people and so readily gave them what they asked for. Oh, yes, they picked those Egyptians clean. I like that, don't you? <laughs> Woo, glory. Hey, the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. God's will is for every sinner to be saved, amen? And them to bring their wealth into the kingdom of God. But if they're not going to get saved, we might as well believe for a wealth transfer. <laughs> and so then we should always gain something from anything that we have been through. Wisdom, gratitude, knowing 
what to do, knowing not what to do. You know, some of the biggest take-homes that I've had concerning seasons and getting out of one into another one is the realization, number one, how good God is, and number two, how faithful He is. He is so faithful. He is so good. He is completely and wonderfully good. And He's faithful. He's faithful. Think of all the times that He's come through for you. Think about all that the Lord has done for you. Faithful. Know ye therefore that the Lord thy God, He is faithful. The faithful God, which keepeth covenant unto a thousand generations. Great is thy faithfulness. That I will recall to my mind. Therefore, it gives me great hope. His mercies are new every morning. Isn't that awesome? Don't you, don't you just love waking up in the morning and going into a new day? And you say, Lord, thank you. I'm breathing. It's another day to serve you. In Lamentations, he didn't say, you're faithful. He said, great is thy faithfulness. How else would his faithfulness be than great? Because he is so great. He is great. Oh God, you're faithful. Faithful is our God. Faithful is he that has placed his hand upon you who will also do it. Faithful is he that has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will not, I will not, I will not relax my hold on you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. George Beverly Shea said this, that great singer that accompanied Billy Graham for years and years. He said, God's grip don't slip. And you know it doesn't. He is faithful. That's one of the the biggest lessons I've learned. And when I get into another situation where I just can't seem to to find the door. I know the door is somewhere. I know the way of escape is somewhere there. I may not see it. But I know he that has been faithful to me for 62 years will be faithful to me for the next several years that I live. Amen. He's faithful. Everyone say, He is faithful. faithful. Look at uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 13 in closing tonight. We're not getting very far in this series, but it's good, isn't it? Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Hallelujah. That's why I don't get too shook up about money. I just don't. I don't toss and I don't turn about money anymore. I just don't do it. You know, I'll get, I'll get reports that, you know, uh, we need $30,000 by such and such a time. Or we need 50000 or 60000 uh, I feel like Jesse DePlanis. Jesus, you got mail. And I don't mean that disrespectfully. 
But I know that faithful is he that's called us. Who will also always cause us to triumph. And 2 Corinthians 2.14 says, Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph. And maketh manifest the savor of his presence and the fragrance of his goodness everywhere through us. Amen. Amen. So, I just, I refuse to worry about it. Why? Because I've seen the hand of God come through so many times. And you know what? He will not stop now. So, 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 translate that into your situation. Translate that into what you might be needing in your life. Look back and see what God's already done. He has an awesome track record. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. I miss my wife. I love you, honey. See, if we were live streaming, she could be watching me. (laughs) I love you, honey. (laughs) She's quite a girl, you know that? Wow. She is really something. All right. You know, you guys are really blessed to have us both. (laughs) Ouch. Thank you very much. (laughs) All right. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. And we're blessed to have you all. I got to thinking about Pastor Tom yesterday. You know, I just... Man, we were in the office together and <laughs> we had a short meeting, maybe, what was it, 10 minutes or so in my office. And he was telling me about some equipment and different things that, that kind of w- wasn't working properly and working right. And, and uh, we thought maybe that gas got in some of our equipment, you know, from the termites, you know, and uh, different things. We didn't know for sure, but couple hours later, I'm on my way out, and there's Kimberly, and Pastor Tom says, we fixed it. We fixed it. It was a camera, right? And it was just a little adjustment. We fixed it. God is faithful. But you know what? Pastor Tom and Pastor Kimberly are very faithful. Really faithful. And I, I left the building yesterday afternoon and said, Lord, thank you so much for P.T. and Kimberly. That's the blessing of God. Having them here. Are you kidding me? You talk about some of the nightmares that pastors go through with assistant pastors trying to take their church. We've been together for 30 plus years. Faithful. And I'm thankful. So aren't we all something? We are something because He's made us somebodies. Amen. God is good. God is faithful. There's no temptation, no season taking you. It's common to man. Don't sweat it. Hey, somebody else is going through it. Somebody else has been through it. But God is faithful. He will not suffer you to be tempted above your ability, but will with the temptation always provide a way of escape to a safe landing place. He will show you the door. 
because he is the door. He, oh, this will preach. He will show you the way because he is the way, the truth, and the life. Stand up, everybody. Let's rejoice in the Lord. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy. You're great, great God. You are awesome, Lord. And we are so very thankful.